the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. What he's saying here is you should get into the habit of confessing or admitting your sins to each other. In other words, we should live transparent lives between us and our brothers and sisters in Christ. And if we did that, then our fellowship would be greatly enhanced. Any grudges and resentments and forgiveness would be put on the table and dealt with, and we'd live in much greater harmony as a result. What great advice. That's Pastor Leighton Sheely, and this is Study Verse by Verse with Pastor Sheely from Church of the Highlands in San Bruno, and we're wrapping up the series in the book of James. And he's going to talk specifically about prayer today, communication with God, and of course, uh, spilling over is communication with one another, each of us here on earth. I'm Mike Trout, so thankful that you've joined us for today's broadcast. Now, the Christian's most powerful resource is our communication with God through prayer. It's an instrument for healing and forgiveness and a mighty weapon in spiritual warfare. And it's so unfortunate that people oftentimes see prayer as a last resort. Like, we've tried everything else, let's pray about it. When really, it should be the first resort. It's the first place we go. Now, God is pleased to answer our prayers, but He is not bound by our prayers. He is infinitely more powerful and more wise and knowledgeable than we are. And so our desire in prayer is to bring the situation, whatever it is, before the Lord and ask Him to bring a remedy to it. And he goes on, verse 17, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. And he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months it did not rain on the earth. And then he prayed again and heaven gave rain and the earth bore its fruit. So the story here is found in 1 Kings. And Elijah was a powerful man in prayer. He prayed that a drought would come as a sign to evil King Ahab to show that Baal wasn't really God, that the God of Israel was God. But what he's underscoring here is that Elijah was like us. He had a nature like ours. He shared the same limitations we do. In fact, when you read the story, you find out the Bible is very candid about what we, we think of these super saints in the history, about their failures and their failings. Elijah, was a, he got depressed. He had doubts. He had his ups. He had his downs. He defeated the prophets of Baal and then ran from one woman named Jezebel. But James here is using Elijah as an example of someone who didn't put their trust in their own weakness, but rather trusted in God. And so James is inviting us to identify with Elijah's weakness so that we might develop the same power in prayer that Elijah exercised. You see, the same God who listened to the prayers of Elijah listens to our God, listens to our prayers as well. There's an interesting insight found in 1 Kings 17. It's Elijah, and he says, As the Lord God of Israel lives before whom I now stand, there shall neither be dew nor rain these years except by my word. Before whom I stand. He was describing the attitude of prayer. Righteousness is right standing before God. It is living in the presence of and in right relationship with God. And what James here is saying is that any Christian can have the same power in their prayer as Elijah if they are righteous, in right standing before God. 
And then verse 19 says, My brothers, if anyone among you wanders from the truth and someone brings him back. And so in these last two verses, James is underscoring the responsibility that we as Christians have towards each other. We should not only confess our sins to each other and pray for each other, but we need to watch out for each other and care for each other and protect each other as well. The word here, to wander, is a metaphor. It compares a path in life that we're supposed to follow, and to wander away from that path is to stray from the road, is to depart from the faith. It is apostasy. And when he says, one among you, he's reminding us that none of us are immune from the tendency to wander, and that someone someday could be us. And that's why it's so important that we remain teachable, that we do not become arrogant, that we are open for correction, that we keep our attention in the Word of God, led by the Spirit of God, and connected to the family of God to keep us from wandering from the truth. The truth here is the central truth of the Christian faith that Jesus is the Son of God, the Lord and Savior who died for our sins and rose again from the dead. And any actions or choice we make that deny the Lordship of Jesus in our life is drawing us away from the truth. He says that someone should bring him back. When someone wonders, there ought to be somebody in the Christian community who goes and tries to bring that person back. And not for judgment, but for repentance and restoration. Whenever a person, a believer, becomes aware of the wandering of another believer, they have a responsibility to take action. All of these images that James gives us describes a community where people really deeply care for each other, that wonders are not allowed to just slip away, that there's a real connection and a real involvement in each other's lives. We really are our brother's keeper. Let him know that whoever brings back a sinner from his wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. You know, the air of wandering away is so serious that it might lead to death, spiritual and eternal death, if that person doesn't return. But if a believer repents and returns to God, God will forgive and cover over and forget that person's sin. The expression a multitude of sins is not intended to convey a degree of wickedness in the life of the sinner, but the extent of God's grace and forgiveness. Now, when I was studying this, it was interesting to me that the scholars differed as to the question of whose sins were covered, the person who's coming back, the person who went to get the person, or everyone. And I think the answer to that may be found in the other passage in the New Testament where this phrase is found. The Apostle Peter also uses the phrase, cover a multitude of sins, in 1 Peter 4.8. This is what he wrote. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. So the Apostle Peter said that love covers over a multitude of sins in the context of believers loving one another. As believers, we sin often, but... When believers love one another, we confess our sins to one another, then those sins are forgiven. Fellowship is restored and deepened because of love. It's an amazing testimony to see someone who has wandered from the faith come back into the body of Christ and be restored as fellow believers accept and receive the person who is repenting.
from a heavenly viewpoint, is like a cover is being pulled over a multitude of sins. James has instructed that we as Christians should not grumble against each other, that we should not judge each other, that we should pray for each other, that we should show God's forgiveness to each other. And when we do that, we really experience the life God has for us in Christ. God promises that what has been forgiven will be remembered no more. I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sin no more. When God forgives sin, it's as though the sinner hadn't sinned. He removes the sin as far as the east is from the west. And this is all made possible on the basis of the sacrifice of Christ Jesus. So in the conclusion of our study of James, in chapter 1, what began with a challenge to endure hardship with joy now closes with an appeal for us to watch out for each other, to care for each other. That believers are to pursue growing in their faith together. That Christians have a responsibility to God, to each other, and to the world. Bruce Barton wrote, The letter of James is Christianity with its sleeves rolled up. It is the working person's practical guide to living the Christian faith. It spells out what it means to follow Jesus day by day. James emphasizes faith in action. Right living is the evidence and result of faith. The church must serve with compassion, speak lovingly and truthfully, live in obedience to God's commands, and love one another. The body of believers ought to be an example of heaven's principles applied on earth, drawing people to Christ through love for God and one another. If we truly believe God's word, we will live it day by day. God's word is not merely something we read or think about, but something we do. You know, this week I've been thinking about some people that have come to my mind about people that used to attend, and I'm, I, they've wandered away. And when the, I've made it a practice over the years that when, when a person comes to my mind, I, t- I take it as a prompt of the Holy Spirit to pray for that person. And sometimes when the person keeps coming back day after day, I take it as a prompt to do more than just pray if I, if I know how to reach out to them. But I, I would encourage you this week to be thinking and praying, asking God, because there may be people that he'll bring to your recollection who have wandered away, and they need somebody to go and find them and invite them back into fellowship. And that has to be done in prayer. Because for that person to be receptive, they've got to be in the right place, emotionally, spiritually, relationally, and so forth. I can remember an occasion when a brother had wandered into a place that he should not have been, and I found out about it. And my initial inclination was, I've got to go deal with this right now. And as I prayed about it, I didn't feel the release to go and talk with that brother about that issue. And so I just kept praying and praying. Hours went into days, days went into weeks. There was actually went into a couple of months. And I was wondering if I was tuned into the wrong channel because it seemed like it was so long and I wasn't getting the release to go and talk with that brother about that situation. And then all of a sudden it came. And I went and I talked with him. And there was a, something he said in that conversation. He said, if you would have talked with me a couple of days ago, I wouldn't have listened to anything you have to say. 
But these last couple of days, I've been thinking about it. And I think God sent you to talk with me about this. See, we need God's word. And we need God's spirit. And we need each other. Amen. Amen. And with that, we end this study through all five chapters in the New Testament book of James. Pastor Leighton Sheely has been our teacher. He's the senior pastor at Church of the Highlands right here in the Bay Area in San Bruno. Updates about the church can be found on the website highlands.us. The creative ways the Church of the Highlands is reaching out at this time can be found on that website, including the daily devotionals shared on a rotating basis by various ministry staff from the church. That website again is highlands.us. And if you have a need we might be able to help you with at this unusual time, feel free to give us a call at 650-873-4095. That's 6508734095 Our needs include prayer for this radio outreach and financial support if you're able to help financially you can do so safely through the website I'm Mike Trout join us tomorrow when we'll start a short series in the book of Psalms and study verse by verse <laughs> 